You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Man. Hey, look at that. I got the intro right. And bringing you today's episode is Draft. Our friends over at Draft have been very supportive of us. And obviously, we always have a good time playing around on Draft. So you can join us over there. L O B U C K S. Again, that's L O Bucks for Locked on Bucks to get one free play at draft when you're making your first deposit. So make your first deposit, use the promo code LOBUCKS, and that'll get you a $3 ticket that you can use, well, in the Lockdown Bucks draft. You can use that in our draft. We do one, sometimes two, sometimes three on Wednesdays. So uh, just make sure that you follow me at Eric underscore name or at Lockdown Frank, and then we will make sure to invite you to our drafts on Wednesday, so make sure you go out and do that. Have a lot of fun. You know, you know Eric, who's really enjoyed draft. A oh yeah, Frank, I have a pretty good idea. Yeah, me. Yeah, because I, I know. Just keep winning. Uh, although last week our guy Danny Shred, the composer of our theme music, uh, Danny beat me. Um, he he took me in the late game. I blame. Uh, I think I think I picked LeBron over Giannis, which ended up being a huge mistake. LeBron was like merely mortal and, and Giannis was awesome that night so if I had just gone with my favorite NBA player uh, I would have won again but I've got a streak of four straight uh, four straight drafts Wednesdays where I've won some money so I'm pretty jealous um, I'm, I'm I'm feeling pretty good and and I, I'll I'm sure that'll end uh, <laughs> uh, this this time around but it's been harder to take my money I'm just saying yeah, no, uh, and, and maybe that turns people away, but I would I would say don't because uh, uh, the <laughs> uh, if I had to put some some money on it, which I do, I would say you'll take you'll take Frank's money. Uh, so go oh. ahead and do that. L o b u c k s and over at Draft, you can download the app from the whatever app store you are in, or you can go to draft.com and p- hang out and kind of play with us uh, this week or next week or whenever it is, because we'll always be around there uh, hanging out. So come do that with us. Frank, uh, we have some Bucks basketball to discuss. Uh, last night we took a detour, um, mainly because the Bucks forced us to. I would have happily broke down a basketball game between the Bucks and Pacers if... If the Bucks decided to show up, um, if they decided to play, I think I would have been more than happy to talk Bucks, but they didn't. So we talked Bucks for ten or fifteen minutes, and then talked about the Last Jedi and talked about music and television and uh, what about movies. So we had some fun last night, but uh, I guess getting back into it, this Bucks team twenty one and eighteen, and they're just kind of in an interesting spot because as as we talked about uh, pretty much this entire season the expectations 
before getting Eric Bledsoe were 50 wins, uh, a first-round playoff win. I think Jason Terry went as far to say an Eastern Conference Finals run. Uh, there was there was no no concern over maybe overextending this Bucks team. Everyone was very hopeful. Everyone believed that this team could make a run, and they're twenty one and eighteen, and just got boat raced by the Indiana Pacers, a team that has no business boat racing them. And uh, I, I guess, Frank, I'm just kind of in a weird spot here because the Bucks had all of those expectations, all of those beliefs before trading for Eric Budso. Now they have traded for Eric Budso, and we're still talking about not being consistent enough, not bringing it every night, uh, bringing it uh, against the good teams, not against the bad. And today I go to practice and uh, I shouldn't say go to practice. I go to the media availability that occurs after practice. Uh, I, I, people always ask me what people what the players look like in practice. I don't know. The, the NBA teams don't let you watch practice. Uh, you can watch some of the shooting drills after, but that, that's about it. So, uh, but when I when I got a chance to talk to John Henson after, I thought it was interesting to hear him say that we have to do a good job. Uh, against the magic like we can't overlook them i I know we got the warriors coming in on friday night and and we can't overlook this magic team and i just thought it was so interesting because i didn't bring that up i i didn't ask oh do you got to do a good job staying focused like maybe some people would say this is a trap game with the warriors coming up on friday night i didn't say any of that I just asked a a more general question about expectations and and the ability to bring it night in and night out and the inconsistency. Like that was the type of question I asked. And I, instead I got, well, we can't look over the magic. Well, I didn't ask anything about that. Like, why is that in your mind already? And I I guess it's just kind of a weird spot now with this Bucks team where, before we started recording, I said they're going to lose to the Magic, and you're like, "Come on, don't be, don't be ridiculous." And I was just like, "I don't know, Frank." Like, well, I, I didn't say ridiculous. I I just said I would expect they're going to win this game, and I I specifically said it's because they got their asses kicked in the last game. Yeah, that it's just very Bucks. Um, a wise man was was texting with me and was saying that basically this team is a coin flip, and you know, not that getting your ass kicked the game before again makes you automatically going to win the next game if it, just if it's a 50-50 thing but um but it really is true it's like every any given night like buck could look good it could look bad but you know they're just they're you know the, the idea of them kind of just playing at a sustained high level is just just doesn't seem to be really what they're about and um you know the magic have been pretty damn bad for for a while now um so that's why you know again pretty damn bad and the Bucks hopefully licking their wounds a little bit and feeling motivated, but yeah, uh, John Henson, I guess, is trying to Jedi mind trick himself into not overlooking the magic. But as you as you implied, that seems like yeah, maybe they're already looking past the magic. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was just such a strange thing to hear when because I mean, as a member of the media, like that would be something I'd be thinking about, like oh. Surely the Bucks will get up for the Warriors on Friday night. So, is there a possibility that this is a trap game, and you know maybe they'll they'll struggle in this one, and that 
uh, again, like I said, I, I didn't ask it. It was brought up to me by him, and and I don't know, just such such a strange thing. And looking at this Bucks team, I, I think one of the changes in the last couple days, or in the last couple games, excuse me, has been the fact that they are starting Malcolm Brogdon instead of Tony Snell. And I mean, I, I think there's been some mixed results there. Obviously, they didn't play well against the Pacers. Uh, they did played pretty well uh, against the Wizards and get a win there. But do you feel like that change, having Tony Snell come off the bench, has had much of an effect on either of those guys? Uh, Do you feel like it it was necessary to kind of shake Tony out of whatever kind of like slump he was in or maybe a, a short bout with just not having a ton of confidence? Like, do you think it's doing much of anything? Well, I, you know, to be honest, I hadn't even really thought much about Tony's shooting struggles until until you brought it up, and, and I know you pulled some stats on it. Um, and again, the, the kind of thing I always come back to is the Bucks starters have been really good, you know, with yeah. Snow. And um, they've been okay. The starting group with Brogdon, that lineup is, I think, plus seven, plus eight points per 100. So, I mean, that group's been good, but the Snell starting group has been plus 14. So, um, you know, again, not like one is horrible and one is great. And, you know, in both cases, especially the, the Snell, um, or sorry, the Brogdon starting lineup, and that's a smaller kind of sample size one anyway. Um, but, you know, it's just like in theory, starting a low volume spot up shooter, kind of versatile defender guy in a starting lineup where you have, you know, three, guys who can score 20 plus every night Giannis can you know score averages almost 29 a night um you know Brogdon who's more of a guy you want handling the ball a little bit um he has also not shot the ball as well of late both both Snell and Brogdon have kind of come down a little bit in terms of three-point percentages from the lofty numbers they were putting up early in the season um so again I just think in principle it Snell just makes more sense and so I don't know I mean like uh, Jason Kidd you know for better or worse, is usually pretty reactive about these things. So um, after last game, I mean, are you really going to start Brogdon again? I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. like did that did that provide you any answers? Uh, I don't I don't think so. Um, and again, that's not why the Bucks lost the last game. I mean, there's no, you know, the the Bucks were terrible when they randomly threw in Jet in the first quarter. We talked about, you know, the fact that I'd like to see younger guys get a chance over Jet at this point. We kind of know what Jet is. We know he's probably not going to be on this roster next year. Love Jet, but you know, again, that's also just sort of not, I think, furthering the long-term future of the team, and not really. I don't think helping significantly in the short term either, right? Like, is Jet really going to help you significantly right now? I mean, he had just hasn't been playing at a high level. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think any of these individual things necessarily lost like a game, like the Indiana game. I mean, they lost by stepping on the court it looked like um <laughs> yeah so you know they i i don't like all their good players looked like bad players and so you're not going to win many games that way so i don't know but again i mean like let's not i mean it's just overthinking it i think to to say like oh well let's start brogdon it's like okay well are you going to stop starting brogdon at some point like what what at what point is it okay to bring tony snell back and you know again i i think it's probably okay now i mean if you if you want Tony Snell, like the the reason Jason Kidd gave was, I think it, it wasn't he said something to the effect of, oh, he's he's trying to make plays for other guys and he just wants them to shoot. And so just tell him that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, Tony's not like some. I don't know. He's like a 
what is he, 26 years old? I mean, you know, just tell him what you need him to do. That's like his natural inclination anyway. It's not like, you know, you're trying to corral like Lance Stevenson or some like random guy <laughs> who wants to do stupid shit that, you know, you have to control. So, um, so, so that's my general feeling. It's like, all right, just do the logical thing that has worked for the most part. And I hope we see Tony back in the starting five, but again, you know, his, his numbers came down. He was never going to shoot 50% from three, which he was doing early on in the season. So it's really just a question of making sure he keeps his confidence, keeps shooting. It seems like he's continuing to shoot. It's just he's been going through a bit of a rough patch percentage-wise. Yeah, looking at him, since he returned from that injury, he had missed, um, I think, five games with that injury at the the start-slash-middle of December. And since returning on the 19th against the Cavs, he has shot 26% from three on 4.2 attempts per game, which is which is more than he was shooting earlier. So um, I, I had mentioned that in there was that three-game stretch, uh, the Raptors, Pacers, Raptors, where he had just shot five threes. Um, and obviously that that's not what you're looking for with Tony Snell, but overall in the aggregate, his numbers have been fine. Seven threes, uh, seven threes shot against the Wizards. He made two of them, four threes shot against Indiana, and he did not hit any of those. Um, and I guess that that sort of brings me to another thing I've just been thinking about as of late is last night... I know a, a number of people, and I think even I have referenced, and you might have referenced it as well, the fact that Giannis didn't hit a shot in the first half. And when you hear something like that, I, I think you want to kind of think that Giannis is not being aggressive enough or Giannis is passing too much or Giannis is being passive, whatever it may be. But he did shoot a bunch of free throws, and, and he was getting fouled a lot. And... I guess there's just kind of this interesting dynamic where Giannis can make the right pass a bunch of times. Like you saw kind of last night where he would attack, he'd see a wall and kick it out and people would just miss threes. And I don't know. It's the bucks took 27 last night. I believe they hit seven of them. And I'm just always living in fear of a seven of 27 night, meaning Jason Kidd will tell him like, "Oh, don't settle for threes. Like those are those aren't the shots we want. Like we can get better ones." When in reality, it's just guys missing very open threes. Yeah, and and that's and that's the biggest to me. That's the biggest that, that is a very valid concern because you know I thought the Pacers did a nice job. They crowded Giannis um, pretty well, you know, and that's an obvious thing for teams to do. If they look at the Bucks and they say this team doesn't really want to shoot a ton of threes, they have some guys who can hit threes but that's not this is that these are not the rockets you know these are not this is not one of these teams that wants to shoot a bunch of threes um this is not the you know cleveland cavaliers trying to shoot a bunch of threes around lebron so let's put extra bodies pack the paint let's make it hard for Giannis to get through there and just dare these guys to beat us from the outside and um it's not going to work every game obviously um and that wasn't the only problem certainly with the bucks i mean just the fact they couldn't complete basic passes uh like yep. was also problematic but um but yeah i agree i mean i think um, on a night like that where you know, Giannis got a ton of free throws, didn't necessarily get many shots. You know, Maybe there was like at times like some, I don't know, hints of emo Giannis, um, especially <laughs> when he was getting frustrated. Um, it, it was pretty interesting to see him turn down a, uh, a, a wide-open layup in transition and just give it to Eric Bledsoe, yep. um, which, again, I'm, it's not a criticism. Like it's 
pretty damn unselfish of your superstar who's second in the NBA in scoring to just let somebody else get a bucket. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd never want to see Giannis take eight shots in a game, even if he takes a bunch of free throws. And, you know, he still played a lot of minutes because, of course, um, even though they, you know, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So, um, so yeah, it was a weird game, but I, I agree. I mean, I think that's the, the concern with the Bucks is that if the shoot, you know, if they don't shoot a bunch of threes, and obviously it's been harder, you know, with some of the personnel, you know, getting Bledsoe and losing Mirza Toledovic, you had Snell out for a while. You just didn't have as many three point shooters. You played DeAndre Liggins a lot in, you know, for a couple months. Um, you know, you're just going to see your three point rate decline somewhat, um, just naturally because of the personnel you're playing. Um, but, you know, if you're going to be a Giannis centric team, like you have to be committed to shooting a lot of threes. And, you know, sometimes you're not going to hit a bunch, but, um, I forget who, I forget who said it. Um, I can't remember if it was the dunk dunk guys or, or who, who said it, but someone made an interesting point about the Rockets that, um, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, the Rockets, like, well, what happens if they're not making threes? And someone made a good point and said, you know, we talk about, you know, you know, one game we think of as a small sample for, for shooting threes, right? You could be just really bad some night and you could shoot, you know, whatever, five out of 25 or something like that. But the, the point that somebody made was, if you're the Rockets, you shoot, shoot so many threes you're going to start making some like you know yeah. like, like the you're going to shoot a big enough sample that the odds of you know the odds of hitting 60% are going to be low cuz you're going to shoot a ton so you're not going to just you know hit you know uh 25 out of 40 right but um you're probably you're not going to hit you know 5 out of 45 either right like you're no. you're going to probably shoot your way out of a slump just as you might cool off eventually um, and it's kind of an interesting point, um, you know, that by shooting so many threes, you tend to, you know, basically like mean regress um, within games even more than if you just shoot half, you know, if you shoot yeah. 25 or, or whatever, you're just more likely to have kind of a wide range of outcomes. And if you shoot a larger number, um, which is an interesting thing, it's, I hadn't really thought of before. And, you know, I think it's also for Bucks fans. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, do, I do think there's that trap that it's like, oh, we're missing threes. It's like, well, are they open threes? Yep. Well, but we, they're they're early in the shot clock. That's great. And and I <laughs> yeah, I I think it's funny how I think it's funny how often, um, like announcers on on uh, on League Pass will like it's like something that's ingrained, especially in like players who played a while ago. Like just that that mindset of like, oh, if a shot happens early in the shot clock and you miss, it's bad. Yeah. Right. And it's like that's such a I don't know. I mean, again, like I get that you. You know, again, there's an argument for like making a defense work a little bit, not just like walking up, bricking a shot, and then letting a team run out against you right away. Um, but the whole point is getting good shots, right? I mean, that's yep. that's the point of offense. And if you have a good shot early in the shot clock, then good God, take it. And just because you miss doesn't make it a bad shot. So I don't know. I'm, I, I'm preaching to the choir, but no, I've I've rarely watched a basketball game and thought, oh, that was a good shot because of looking at the clock. You know what I mean? Like to me, a good shot is a good shot is a good shot. If it's in rhythm, if it's a good shooter taking a shot from a high value location, like no matter what, that's a good shot. Like I don't need to look at the clock to confirm to me that it is a good shot. 
So uh, I, I agree. It, it is interesting to think kind of how all of that is just kind of, I think, ingrained in everyone's mind. Like You just kind of have those thoughts that, oh, not getting anything going, like nothing will go down. Got to find a way to, you know, really find a good shot. And, well, if, if, a, if a wide open three isn't a good shot, then, okay, that, that probably says something about that player. But most of the time, a wide open three in rhythm is going to be a good shot. So uh, I would agree with that. Before we move on to talking about the Magic, obviously they are up next. We need to talk a little bit about draft and kind of the reasons why we enjoy it is it's just it's just fun, period. Like, I, I, I like draft because I'm not drafting bench warmers like i'm not go like i'm not trying to find the random guy that's gonna somehow win this game for me because no one else would have drafted him and like i just i'm you're picking the best guys on teams and watching them play so for me a league pass junkie like it's just further encouraging me to actually watch a game that maybe i wouldn't be that interested in maybe i don't want to actually watch the the magic <laughs> on a given night um, when they're not playing the Bucks. Maybe I don't, but then I draft Aaron Gordon and okay, well, I'm going to watch the magic that night. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just, I've been surprised with how much fun it's been, Frank, uh, because I wasn't totally sold on it to begin with, but now we have a couple drafts like every Wednesday and I'm totally cool with drafting a couple teams and making, just kind of looking at, at those teams and seeing how they can do. And now I'm like doing it on Friday nights. Some of my friends are doing it with me. Like it's just fun. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, I mean, it's one day, right? So that's the nice part of these one day fantasy things is you decide, you know what? I want to watch some basketball. I want to be engaged yeah. in basketball. I want to see if I can beat other people in a fantasy basketball game. And that that's fun, right? Because, I mean, I, I've always enjoyed doing season-long fantasy stuff. I don't do it as much anymore. But when I was younger, I always did, you know, every sport, multiple fantasy teams. Yep. And it's like some years you just get off to a bad start and you just don't have a chance to win midway through. You know, just midway <laughs> through the season. It's like, well, my fantasy team isn't winning anymore. Um, and that's nice to part with these fantasy, with the one-day fantasy stuff. It's like, oh, you know what? Tonight, I'm going to play. And yep. It, it, everything matters because it's just one night so it, it's fun and then you're never you know beholden to uh picking a bad team because <laughs> you you start over the next time so or uh, if so you yeah, do pick that bad team that night it's just like okay whatever you know had yeah. a bad night and... yeah and i mean i'm just winning so much of that that you know it's fun <laughs> for me so i don't i can't guarantee it's going to be as fun for you guys with the winning part but you know of late uh i'm, I'm on a hot streak well, if you want to shut Frank's stupid yeah. mouth up, uh, go ahead and join us on Draft. Like I always say, you can follow us at Eric underscore name, at Locked on Frank. And if you do so, that makes it easier for us to invite you to our draft. And uh, that way you can try to take our money. And we do it every Wednesday. And if you're a first-time draft player uh be sure to use the promo code l-o-b-u-c-k-s again that's l-o-bucks for lockdown bucks and if you enter that promo code it'll get you a free play and it's a free play for a three dollar game which our game is every single week so if you haven't used it before you can add just you, you can add the promo code l-o-bucks and then hop into our league and you'll play us for free so uh that, that seems like a win to me you get to play for free and you get to take our money so uh go ahead and do that 
you can download Draft in your app store or you can go to Draft.com. And like I said, we do it each and every week, and uh, we are more excited uh, to do it really than I think we ever thought, and we have a, a ton of fun every week. So be sure to join us over on Draft. With that being said, Frank, let's move on to the Orlando Magic, and uh, they're bad. Um, I don't, I don't really, I can break down all the numbers for you. They're 12 and 28 on the season. They started off the season eight and four. So if you do the math quickly, (laughs) that is four and 24 in their last 28 games, four and 24 and looking kind of at their, I don't even know what to call it. Like their heat map how often are they winning losing and stuff like that like they're losing a lot and they're also losing by a lot a lot so like this this isn't a team that that's really been particularly close in games uh, this is a team that's 26th in offensive rating and 26th in defensive rating uh they play at a fast fast ish pace at, at 6th uh, in the NBA in pace, all, all these numbers according to basketball reference. And I I don't I don't really know what else to say. They're bad. Right? Like this is a bad basketball team that good basketball teams would not lose to. Yeah, and I I think they're worse than um than they should be to be honest. Like I remember when they were good early in the season thinking I'm not totally shocked. I don't think their personnel is bad. I mean, they don't have obviously a superstar. You know, they're, that that is that is probably the the most obvious thing about this team. For all of those top five picks that they've had over the years, they've never gotten that oh. like all star type guy. You know, the and, process and, screwed them over. God, like because they did it right. Like you, you, like that's what it's supposed to be. Like lose a bunch of games and you'll get a chance to draft a generational talent. Nope. Not in Orlando. That has not happened. Yeah, and they always had kind of like, especially the last couple of years. Like they're they have enough talent that they're never just totally horrendous either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think clearly there were a lot of missteps. Obviously, I mean the you know the whole detour into trying to get Serge Ibaka and all. Yeah. I mean that was just you know stupid. And then they kind of came to their senses. But um, but yeah, I mean a lot of interesting talent. You know, we haven't seen. I haven't really seen anything of Jonathan Isaac this year. He's been hurt a fair bit. Um, but I think, you know, if you look at the positives for this team, I mean, Aaron Gordon's finally kind of made that big step up. Maybe not, yep. he's not like an all-star caliber guy at this point, but he's really, you know, he's done the thing that, you know, people always said about, yeah, oh, when he has a three-point shot. Well, Aaron Gordon's average, I mean, he's shooting more threes per game than Chris Middleton. He's at 5.7 per game. <laughs> he's hitting 39%. That's better than Chris Middleton. <laughs> yep. um, he's averaging a little over 19 points, eight boards, a couple of assists. Um, you know, he's finally kind of starting to do offensively sort of what you'd hope that he would start to do he's again not like you know the the number one option type guy but as far as a guy who is just a really good complimentary player and obviously super versatile defensively um he's finally kind of really you know arrived to some extent and i'm sure he'll get paid um very nicely uh this summer i feel like you and i don't really do fake trades and both of us have been involved in message threads or email threads about fake trades for aaron gordon in the last three years like that's not a thing we do like you and i don't do that really and both of us were like man it'd be it'd be interesting to be the team that gets aaron gordon yeah and i I don't know if, if we if 
I think maybe we discussed last summer when John Hammond left, you know, the kind of thought like, well, maybe if he doesn't like Aaron Gordon, <laughs> like Jabari's ACL, like too much of a deterrent that, that yeah. he wouldn't want to trade. Cause obviously those two guys um, are from the same draft. So there's, there's a lot of sort of obvious, comp- or, you know, parallels there. And they're obviously both guys kind of similar positionally um, as well. But, um, but yeah, um, Aaron Gordon's been good. Evan Fournier, who I've, I've always liked a fair bit. Um, you know, he's having another kind of very solid season. Again, 18 points, shooting 41% from three. Um, you know, just guys who can, you know, hurt you and, and guys who we've seen hurt the Bucks with regularity. And, and Nikola Vucevic, you know, he's been finally, he's finally added three point shot to his arsenal, four, four threes a game from him, attempted 34%. So not great, but, you know, again, that just kind of, it was sort of the natural thing for him to do because he was always a guy who's had a lot of skill, could hit mid-range shots, and now he stretched that out, you know, kind of taking that Marcus Sol step. Um, but you know, obviously, these this is a team that is that is flawed, um, and you know, they're 26th in defensive rating, 26th in offensive rating. I think the uh, Vogel levers are becoming fewer and and fewer. Um, you know, Gordon finally being played at power forward. Uh, thank God. It was a and rough finally, year last year for me. Yeah. Um, that was just so obvious that they were mishandling him. But, you know, again, part of it, a roster crunch to that situation. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think I am, I'm pretty anti Alfred Payton, um, which probably means he's going to like go off in the box tomorrow. Um, but I, I just, I, I always remembered the, a couple years ago, just thinking like, you know, the Bucks sort of moved on from starting MC. You know, they had the, the, the year where MCW and Monroe started, and they had that big disappointing season. And I just remember thinking, like, all right, well, you know, guess what? Like, you can't start a non-shooting point guard and a, you know, def- non-defending center in the NBA anymore, like a post-up non-defending NBA guy in the NBA. And the Magic kind of seemed to double down on that to some extent <laughs> um, with Vucevic and, and Peyton. Uh, and... I believe a lot of their success early in the season came when Peyton was hurt, actually. And he's come back. And, I mean, look, he puts up numbers. You know, it's not like he puts up terrible numbers. Um, but he, you know, doesn't shoot free throws well, doesn't really shoot many threes. Kind of like a rondo in that he doesn't shoot many threes, but he's actually shot a decent percentage this year. Only 1.7 attempted per game, but he shoots 36.5%. Um, just a 62% free throw shooter. So, again, it's just sort of like, you know unconventional players that are just harder to build around and you know Bismack Biombo just has never panned out in that terms of you know giving him 70 million so it's just a weird roster um they've got your your guy Wesley Awundu mm-hmm. uh, you know Hazonia obviously has not panned out he's had some moments I think more of late um but uh, again just a, a lot of just question marks and and you know if you ask well, what is the core who are the guys that the the Magic are rolling with long term that you know Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are going to roll with? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, basically, Fournier, Gordon, Isaac are pretty much the guys that I would say are the guys that I would want to roll with, and everybody else, I, I don't know. Like I just, you know, I mean, Vucevic maybe he's a six man or something. I I don't know. I just don't know what to do with this roster. Yeah, and it's it's just really a strange team. Like you said, you, you rattle off a bunch of guys that are, you know, shooting threes better and actually shooting threes, and they have five guys that are averaging double digits. Uh, Gordon at 19.2, Fournier at 17.9, Vucevic at 17.4, uh, Jonathan Simmons at 14.3, and Alfred Payton at 12.9. So, like, they have five guys that are all, I mean, contributing 
And I, I think with most most of them, um, maybe aside Vucevic, I think maybe he's had some better years, but I don't know if he's had more efficient years. Like all those guys are kind of having career years. Uh, Fournier has just been solid. Like that that isn't a career year for him. But I don't know. Like th- those are five guys that are playing wellish, and there's just not a ton to like with this team and their future outlook I think is is cloudy at best because is Gordon a superstar? I don't think so. No. But he's your most he's your most important young player and your most impressive young player and well he's got to get paid. So yeah. do you overpay for Aaron Gordon's career year like Man, that is not a question I really want to answer. And Fournier is fine. I think he'll always be a fine, like number three, number four option uh, on a on a contending team. But I don't know if I want to be in the Evan Fournier, one of my three best players, business. Um, that doesn't sound fun. And then Jonathan Isaac, like at this point, is having an an okay year, but. Again, I don't know if he's a guy that you drafted high. Like, is he going to turn out? Like, there's just so many questions like that with this Orlando team. And man, it's not a fun outlook. No. <laughs> well, and, and that's that, and that's the interesting thing about Isaac too. I mean, I liked Isaac a lot in the draft, but do I think that Isaac is the guy that like is can be your like foundational star? You know, that you can run offense through? Not, not really. I mean. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Gordon, you know, where he can do a lot of different things, be really versatile on both ends. But is he going to, like, give you, you know, 24 a night on 60% true shooting? Probably not. Probably never get close to anything like that. I mean, granted, those are, you know, not many guys do give you that. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the hope is you get all these top five picks that one of those guys does turn out to be that kind of player. And so, you know, they've sort of, you know, like Gordon is like, I don't know, a double maybe a double hit you're hitting a double or a triple or something and you know isaac's more like kind of a similar type of guy but odds of any of these guys being a home run is i don't know i mean maybe gordon does still kind of get there um but they're like essentially just waiting for another year another chance at it right like this is a team and and they're there i mean the 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 irony is they are you know they are actually right in that that mix because the 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 standings are kind of weird right i mean there's you know the the teams that are really bad this year. I don't think of as being as bad maybe as previous years. Is, is that make? I don't know if that. I don't know if that makes sense. But um, but like there's no team. You know the Hawks have ten wins in forty games. So, I mean they're they're on pace for twenty wins. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody else, I mean like the Magic, the Lakers, the Grizzlies all have twelve wins. Um, all those teams, it feels like should like could or should win like 30 games not yeah there's some pieces on all those teams yeah so it's so it's just interesting to kind of look at the lottery because i think some teams that really aren't necessarily that terrible um might end up getting some really high picks just because it's so compact in terms of um in terms of those the the standings i mean the magic let's see the like jazz are 16 and 24 and they're you know would be way down in the lottery standings but they're only four games ahead of the Magic, you know? Like, yep. they're not that much better than the Magic. And so it'll be interesting to see just sort of how that evolves. And you have a lot of teams like the Magic and the Hornets. I mean, their point differentials are much more closer to, you know, much closer to um, to a 500 team than a team below 500. And, you know, the teams like the Bulls and the Bulls, let's see, 
the Bulls, Kings, Suns, Magic are the ones that really have the bad point differentials. The Hawks, ironically, don't have that horrendous a point differential. They're minus 4.7, Magic 5.6, Kings minus 8.5, Bulls minus 6.3, Suns minus 6.4. So, um, so anyway, interesting to kind of just compare compare and contrast some of these teams because, um, again, it, it that was one of the interesting things coming this year. It seemed like there were fewer teams that were just outright tanking. Um, yeah. But obviously every year they're just teams that – you know, the tank. Somebody's got to lose. Yeah. Somebody's got to lose every single year. Um, I guess uh, we kind of looked at offense rating, defensive rating. This isn't a team that shoots a ton of threes. They're about middle of the pack there. Not a team that goes to the line uh, a whole lot. 21st there. And looking across their offensive and defensive four factors, there really isn't any anything that they're in like the top third of the league and most of the stuff, they're not even in the top half of the league. And most of it, believe it or not, a really bad team is in the bottom third of the league in some stuff. So uh, this is a, a team that the Bucks should beat. Uh, this is a team that, as you look over it, uh, I mean, sure, some of these guys could get hot uh, on a particular night. Fournier maybe being uh, the leading candidate for someone that really could kind of go off uh, on a given night. Uh, Vucevic has had good games against the Bucks before. Maybe he can kind of take advantage of Henson and Maker. But for the most part, again, looking over the roster, looking at what they've done this year, this is a team that the Bucks should beat, and we'll see uh, if they do that. So um, I think that's going to be about it for us for the night, Frank, unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about. Um, so tying out, um, tying out some of the, the uh, non-basketball conversation we had yesterday, um, okay. the, 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 this, I don't plan on spot talking for, for 50 minutes again. So, you know, again, <laughs> people don't want to hear any of this. Um, just you can, you can turn it off now. Thanks for humoring us. I'm cool with moving on to something different, pop culture stuff. But first, uh, I just need to remind everyone, in case they don't listen through all of this, because uh, you, you don't have to listen to us talk about pop culture. You're more than welcome to, and we're happy to share our opinions. But if you don't want to, if you're, if you're done, uh, since the basketball talk is over, just a reminder... We are going to be on draft tomorrow. It is a draft Wednesday here on the Locked On NBA Network, and you can use our promo code L O B U C K S. Again, that's L O Bucks for Locked On Bucks, and that'll get you a free play on draft with your first deposit. So join us over on draft. You can download the app uh, in your app store, or you can go to draft.com and start playing today. I'm at Eric underscore name. Frank is at Locked On Frank. So join us over there now, Frank. Let's talk some other stuff. I didn't think we were talking music, so I, I just wanted uh, I wanted to follow up because you mentioned the Broken Social Scene album. Mm-hmm. I just want to note for the record, I, I really don't listen to many full albums anymore. I'm amazed when I hear people like rattle off like their top like the top ten albums of the year, and like they like imply that they've listened to like a lot more than that because I just like I don't I just don't have time to to listen to that many albums anymore maybe i think podcasts are really kind of being old and and having podcasts at my disposal has kind of ruined my a lot of my music listening but um i will say my three favorite albums of the year not the three best albums of the year because whatever i've heard like no albums last year my three favorite albums um definitely like broken social scene but also uh spoon hot thoughts great album spoon um kind of they're like the uh i don't know like the julia louis dreyfus of rock bands like they mm. just like you thought you thought they you thought they had like a good run and then they just, they keep, just keep getting better yeah. they just keep getting better just aging just great aging curve on spoon 
Um, one of their best albums, I think, uh, came out this year. So Thought Spoon is great. Um, Future Islands, The Far Field, uh, if you like kind of like new wave-ish influenced uh, alternative rock, uh, Future Islands, last two albums have been been great. Love the, the new album. And then, um, you know, I was all about Arcade Fire when they first kind of came out in, I think, 2004. Mm-hmm. Like I, I saw them live in like this tiny venue and hashtag I was there. You know, it was like, I was like all about it. And, um, and I loved Funeral, their first album. Uh, Wake Up, still one of my all-time favorite songs. But then I kind of, I don't know, I kind of just like lost a lot of interest in the ensuing years. Like part of it was just me being like a kind of cynical, like hipsterish music fan and just kind of like, oh, they're too popular now, whatever. Um, but now that I'm old... Um, I'm kind of bending back into being able to like them, I guess, because I actually like their new album a lot. Um, I just, I mean, there were a couple, couple clunkers on there, but, um, uh, but I, I was surprised. I really like the, uh, the new album, um, everything now. So, um, electric blue, probably my favorite song, but, um, definitely, a, a number of, uh, good songs, uh, on that album. So that, that is the end. And by the way, you mentioned that you like, like a lot of things I am. I do not, I do, I do not, <laughs> I, am, I, I don't like everything. I like a pretty narrow range of music. Um, I don't really listen to music from before 1980, for instance. Uh, like like Pink Floyd is like the only band, like old okay. like rock band that I listen to. Uh, so I, I generally listen to like newer stuff, and I pretty much all, all listen to pretty you know like as as these picks are implying, like kind of alternative rock, getting into some like I don't know. Not real dance music, but like kind of stuff with beats and, and skewing that direction. So those are my uh, those are my my picks for my favorite albums of the year. And uh, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say. I mean, I can give my list as well, unless you wanted to finish no, out that ahead. thought. Uh, you have yours going to be more interesting because I don't really I don't really like hip hop, so um, I, I feel like I'm instantly like lame and and not appealing to, to probably many of our listeners. So you have you, you're better for, for for probably our audience. Um, I would say my favorite hip hop album of the of the year was SZA's uh, Control. Again, that's S Z A, and then Control is C T R L. Uh, I really enjoyed that. She's fantastic. Uh, you should check that out. Um, I don't know. I'm bad at new hip hop because I don't. I mean, I'm like out on uh, future young thug. I'm trying to think who else people really like that I don't mess with that much. But some of the new hip hop I don't love. Um, then the rest of my list would be Amber Kaufman, City of No Reply, Heim, Something to Tell You, St. Vincent, Mass Seduction. Sylvan Esso, which is just fantastic. You will, I don't even know, whatever you need to do to be productive, the Sylvan Esso album, What Now, will just turn up your productivity like 10,000%. Uh, and then finally, Lord Melodrama. Those would be my suggestions for my favorite albums of, of the last year. And actually, Frank, you mentioned not listening to full albums. Full albums is like my preferred way to listen to music, and maybe it's because like I'm writing a lot of the times, but normally I'll just find something that I like to listen to and then put that on in the background as I'm writing. Um, so I guess that kind of serves as like an outlet for me to listen to music, and maybe that's probably also explains the choices I just got. Like they're mostly female, uh, they're mostly not like off the wall or anything, but they have some 
good beats and they have some good flow and rhythm and just things that would kind of keep your fingers moving while you're typing. Um, but those, those would all be my suggestions. Yeah. And I think because my job involves lots of, um, conference calls and things like that. Mm, so that hurts. my day is just like super broken up. Um, and so it doesn't tend like when I was in my early twenties working, that's actually when I went to the most concerts, I went to tons of concerts when I lived in Boston and, you know, seeing like, I, I remember seeing, you know, like Arcade Fire and uh, Block Party and uh, Franz Ferdinand. I would love seeing live and Ratatat, all, these, all like, these like bands. It, it kills me looking at it. I always see like your, like, you know, on social media, they'll be like memories from blah, blah, blah. And it'll always be some concert where you're entirely too close to a band that I really enjoy. And I'm like, oh, come on. Frank used to do that? Like, uh. I, I have some great pictures from that first time I ever saw Arcade Fire because I was like literally like, you know, I had like a, a Canon like elf, like little digital camera because, you know, your camera phone sucked at the time. So yeah. I took a, an actual little camera. And uh, and yeah, I was I mean, it was like the people were just crammed on stage because there were, you know, 80,000 people in Arcade Fire. And uh, and I was I we, we sat there, my friend and I, we sat there through like four openers. And we actually I actually paid like 60 bucks for tickets, like which was yeah. a crazy amount to scalp because this show was like a venue uh, in Boston that is now closed. TT the Bears probably holds like a couple hundred people. Um, so that was probably the coolest uh, concert concert experience i have but there were a bunch of like cool bands that when they were first touring were were going there and so um so enjoyed seeing them but um i'll, I'll mention a couple other songs i really like because I, I just more listen to songs now um i know you're a lord fan the mm-hmm. chromio remix of oh, Greenlight so is good. so good like chromio oh. makes everything sound cool because they just add like vocoders and great beats and just like really good um enjoyed that more on the electronic side uh i don't know if you've ever heard of vitalik He's a French like DJ mm, guy. So this, no. this is getting more in the like you know, uh, you know more more uh, Euro sort of, sort of side of my my taste. But waiting for the stars featuring David Chalk, good good song. And uh, I don't know if I have any other ones that I that I feel like feel like mentioning. Phoenix actually, Phoenix had actually had a couple good songs this year. Their album kind of I don't know was a little under the radar, but J Boy, good song by Phoenix. Um, so so that's 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 what I got. Um, one other thought. Um, on Star Wars, so uh, I was—I actually was uh, was—I'm watching Rogue One tonight because we were talking about it yesterday, and I was—I was kind of feeling like eh, I should watch Rogue One again because I've—I only saw it once, I think, and so I'm actually—it's wa- on Netflix right now, so I'm actually watching it while I'm traveling. Um, I'll be it on my phone, which isn't a great experience. So, so I'm watching it again, and I thought this last night I didn't get around to saying it, but the most fun part of Rogue One, Donnie Yen, a uh, great martial artist mm-hmm. who's been in who's been in some. I think he was in like Shanghai Nights or something. I think he was in Shanghai Nights, um, and you know, basically like you know, martial arts guy who's in the U.S. has never been as popular just because he hasn't done lots of like tons of American films. But um, he's great, and he's like the blind guy who's not a Jedi but kind of does Jedi like stuff. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the stand-in because they don't have like real Jedi stuff in in that one. That was fun. Um, so enjoyed enjoyed him. And what is his uh, line? Why can't I think of it right now? I'm with the Force, and the Force is with go. me. Yeah. yeah um so so shout out to uh to donnie yen uh um, the rap album that i love from this year that i just totally forgot about I, as uh, i was looking through list uh vince staples big fish or the big fish theory excuse me um oh my god i'd love it and like i said i always tend to forget about rap music that i like because it's not something that i'm gonna like write to and like keep in my rotation but it still can kind of get me excited and uh 
get me pumped up and ready to go. Vince Staples, Big Fish Theory. That is fantastic. Good. Um, also, one other thought, like uh, watching all the movies, um, you know, it's always interesting. I mean, I, I am not someone who wants to like, like this, the, this con- like this whole comment slash observation is in no way to diminish the enjoyment of Star Wars or any of these other movies. Because let, look, look at, let's be very clear too. Like if you didn't like Star Wars, like that it, it's, it's art, right? Like you like what you like. It's yeah. not like, it's not like we're arguing about whether Giannis is better than Deandre Liggins or something like that. Right. Like <laughs> I, I don't have, I, I'm not going to cite stats on why, you know, last Jedi was actually great. And if you didn't like it, you're an idiot. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just personal taste, right? Like it, it's fine. And, and so I'm, I, I I'm not going to, I will, I will defend my own personal enjoyment of something, but I'm also not going to tell somebody they can't like it because you know, X, Y, Z, I mean, whatever you like yeah. it or you don't like it. Um, and there, there, obviously there are some like things that are less subjective or, you know, uh, the technical aspects of filmmaking, things like that, which I'm not as qualified to speak about our, our friend and former Hooper, JJ Birch, uh, uh, could certainly do, do that on a much better level since he's a graduate film studies major at UW Madison. Shout out to JJ. Uh, by the way, uh, JJ, uh, you can find him at, at your friend, JJ, Y R friend jj he uh, is tweeting out I, i've retweeted it. he he does this thing where he just photoshops uh first jabari and now Giannis into uh famous like famous films um and for no reason uh and he's doing it with Giannis now so he's got some some good ones there um but i actually one movie i also want to mention because i, I it, it is one of the movies i enjoyed the most in the last year and um it was considered somewhat of a box office disappointment um and that's blade runner uh, the new what, what, oh, I never saw it, and that's definitely a movie I should have seen, saw in theaters. Yeah, that's definitely a movie. Yeah, you blew it. You should have saw that, seen that in theaters. JJ uh, did not like Blade Runner. Yeah, um, he was out on it. He was out on it. Um, but but JJ's like overthinks movies. He's like a <laughs> smart movie person, and nobody likes those people. I mean, nobody likes JJ. So um, <laughs> so I'm not I'm I'm not going to worry about it. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was a movie that was critically very well received and. Um, I have to say, I so I watched Blade Runner. Bef- I had never seen Blade Runner, um, and I watched it before seeing the new movie. And you don't need to see it; like, it's not like the movie won't make any sense. Um, but it it helps, I would say. So, uh, so I would say, give it a look. I mean, it's a you know, it's kind of one of those important films. Yep. Um, but and 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 for the time, I think it was eighty two. I want to say it was made. Um, I mean, it's it's very the the special effects are impressive for for especially when you kind of consider the time. But uh, but yeah, I just thought it was visually just like a a beautiful film. Um, I'm I'm Team Ryan Gosling hashtag Team Gosling. So Ooh, I'm a big uh, Gosling fan. Yeah, I, I thought he was really good in it. Um, and Harrison Ford, uh, another Harrison Ford, another movie from the early '80s involving Harrison Ford that comes back. I, I thought Harrison Ford was good in it. And, um, yeah, I just thought it was a really well-done movie and it, you know, sort of captured, I think, some of the feel of the original, um, but was just generally better. And I, and there's also like a very weird, I think Jared Leto's character is pretty polarizing. Um, it, Jared Leto just generally seems very polar, very polarizing yeah. for a guy who's like an Oscar winner and, you know, has generally been considered to be... I mean, he's an award-winning, very talented actor, but I guess some of the choices he's made, I mean, being in the Suicide Squad movie, it's not exactly opening himself up to being loved by everybody. But um, but he his character was somewhat controversial. Um, but 
I thought it was an interesting character still. You know, it, it, it all kind of, I think, made sense to a large extent. So I, I really enjoyed that film. Um, I, I actually was like, I had another friend who was kind of interested in it, and I was trying to conjure up an excuse to make him go watch it with me so I could go for a second time while it was still in the mm-hmm. theaters, but but I missed out in, on that opportunity. So, so we never saw it, but, uh, or never saw it again. But, uh, but yeah, if you, if you do have a chance and you have like a big screen television, do, don't watch it on a phone. Just don't watch it on a phone the first time. Um, I feel like a, even a computer would be too small. Yeah. Watch it on a proper, like a big screen TV at least. Um, because it's that. really the color. I mean, just, I mean, it's just like stupid. stuff. I mean, not stupid stuff, but just like the, it's supposed to be visually like very yeah, impressive. Like the color palette and um, it's all just very affecting. I, I don't know. It's just a, 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 a an impressive film film to watch. So, um, so shout out to Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Denny Villeneuve, the director, um, pretty much only makes movies I like. Um, he did Sicario. Uh, what and what else did? Why am I forgetting what else? Denny Villeneuve. Does he have done? Arrival? Oh yeah, Arrival. I loved Arrival. It's so um, good. Oh man, I really wish we would have done an Arrival podcast because I love that movie. <laughs> next time the let's let's prepare our Arrival podcast, and then the next time <laughs> the get blown out by thirty points by you know the magic. When the, tomorrow night we'll, or Wednesday night we'll do a, a one on Arrival because the oh, bio. it's so good. Um, yeah, that that was good. Also, um, he did a movie called Prisoners with uh, yes. and Hugh Jackman, which. I don't know how many people saw it. But it's good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's dark, very, um, very dark. But um, but it, it's good. And I never, I never. That was that was one of you know that was not. He was not like I would say well known when he when he made that movie. Um, but that I'm surprised that movie's only four years old. It feels like it's it's uh, it's older. But um, but yeah, that was good. But in Sicario, that was great. Yeah, uh, so good. I know there's a Sicario. There's, there's another one coming out. People coming, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of skeptical, but it also has Benicio del Toro, so, um, so that's good. Although I will say this, I feel like in the original Sicario, um, I, I don't feel like they made Emily Blunt likable enough. Like I like she's Emily not coming Blunt. back for the. No, for the I don't think she is. She's not. I, I just didn't. I was kind of like I like Emily Blunt, and I just feel like they just made her like a drag. <laughs> like I don't know. Uh, not enough swashbuckling. I would say from Emily Blunt in that movie. Uh, also, if we're talking Emily Blunt movies, Edge of Tomorrow. Fantastic. Uh, okay. I am actually one thing JJ and I agree on. We are all in on movie star Tom Cruise. Yes, me uh, too. Um, I'm there too. He's the best. And I I, I mean every Mission Impossible I feel like the Mission Impossible movies have just gotten better year after you know every, each one is better than the one before it. I really like the They're last one. They're just so one. incredibly watchable. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a movie that is not watchable like i will fall into a tom cruise hole anytime i happen to stumble upon and the uh, like uh, and just like like edge of tomorrow great movie Uh, people actually i think people actually realize that that one i think is generally well liked um did you ever see oblivion no yeah so i is it good i enjoyed that one as well it has a uh soundtrack by m83 uh one of my favorite uh I mean, it's just one guy, so musicians slash bands. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of songs on that soundtrack that I still listen to like every week because um, they're very affecting. Uh, so that movie is um, there are a couple of like, really great scenes in that movie. But uh, but yeah, I, I actually thought that was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. I mean, again, okay. it's, not gonna, it's, not, it's like wasn't a huge success or anything like that. But I thought it was a really good movie. It's kind of inventive, creative, and I mean, it's sci-fi. So I, I enjoy that stuff. But yeah, so. 
shout out to uh, movie star Tom Cruise. I'm, I feel like there's probably I did not see the Mummy. I have no plans on seeing it. I don't want it to ruin mm, my yeah. enjoyment of movie star movie star Tom Cruise. Uh, Jack Reacher movies also enjoyable. Yep, agreed. You know, so I don't know. Should we end on 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 showing love for Tom? Cruise? Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> actually the best place to end. We will end with, with showing some love for Tom Cruise. That's gonna be it for us. This it's really is really weird. He's really weird. Let's be clear. Tom Cruise is super weird, but super weird dude doesn't mean his movies aren't enjoyable. Totally agree. Uh, this has been Locked On Bucks. That's Frank. I'm Eric. We'll talk to you after the game.